This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Welcome to the Candid Life Podcast, where we turn our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact. And I'm your host, Lydia Gargo. Today, our topic is boys to men. And to discuss this important and relevant topic is my sweet friend and lovely sister, Marie. Welcome, Marie. Good morning, Lydia. Uh, Good morning, child of God. Uh, the sun's out. It's actually afternoon. Spoken from a woman who wakes up at four. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let that kind of information go out. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? We are actually in Michigan and um, it is cold. It was quite nippy this morning. Um, in England, I suppose every greeting is a good morning until you realize that time's actually moved on. So. Marie, welcome to The Candid Life. It's a joy to have you here today. Thank you, Lydia. I'm excited to do this with you. Great. You know, I thought you were the best candidate to actually do this because you are surrounded by three men. Two youngins kind of pushing towards the manhood thing, but, you know, you have a husband as well, and you're surrounded by all this testosterone in your household, and I felt, hmm, who else to ask? to discuss such a wonderful topic. So tell us a little bit about your family. Well, uh, myself, growing up, I was a bit of a tomboy, more baseball than Barbie dolls and things like that. Um, Went through it with my schooling. College was also, you know, I chose civil engineering, um, female going into a major that was fairly well dominated by men, uh, maybe one of three females going through the program at any one given time. Um, So it was kind of a comfort zone for me, actually, you know, a space that I was used to being in. And when we got married and had our first son, you know, he's 17 now. I tend to forget to count that one last (laughs) year. It's been a rough year. Um, But 17 now and, you know, you have an appreciation for motherhood with Mm. the first one, right? Mm. What you're not prepared for with the second was how different that second one can be, right? Same genetics. You'd think that... It's going to be the same ride, the same kind of journey, and they have a way of tilting that on the, on its ear. <laughs> it's called so, science, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> we have a 17... There's more art to, than science, I think, to mm. it sometimes. So 13 and 17-year-old, we, we've gotten through the voice crackles, turning into young men in the house, and, and also our little dog. So it's her and me. We are the female representation <laughs> in the home. Um, her seven and a half pounds is pretty mighty, so... She weighs in on all of our decision makings and um, family planning sessions. So we don't want to, don't don't let the small weight (laughs) confuse you into thinking she's she's a detail. (laughs) I like that. The whole family planning thing just kind of took my mind. (laughs) There might have been a different phrase I could have taken. Took my plan, my mind places. Oh, yeah, yeah. Should not really have gone there, but I just couldn't help it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. A civil engineer. Mm-hmm. I like that. 
you know, a woman going into science. Like you said, you know, not a lot of women are in those places. Things are changing, though. Very much. Things are changing, especially with STEAM. Is it STEAM or STEM? <laughs> well, depends on your arts, right? <laughs> potato, potato, right? Tomato, tomato. It's one of those things. You know, mm-hmm. STEAM or STEM. Um, more young ladies actually pushing in to, to the engineering part, into sciences, which is really great. Right. And, you know, as I went through with my master's program, I actually um, had changed, went down to a, a college in the South and the program that I picked was more focused on water and wastewater environmental sciences. And then I did see a bigger share of the portion was female. And right now I happen to be working um, in a place where all the, I'd say 80% of the leadership is female right now. The executive leadership team is female. And it's it's been great seeing that change and you see a change in the vision as well in some of the uh, standard operating procedures, you, you kind of see a different tone and tenor taking place. So it's been nice. Mm-hmm. That's great. Such an example of how things are changing. You know, back to your boys. What are the differences between your boys? And before I jump to that, though, when you found out that you were going to have, well, the first boy, yeah, then the second boy, how did you feel? Well, I was excited both times. So my first son, you know, when he was first born, from the very first moment, he was born in middle of winter, fairly cold out in Michigan, and he came out intense. I mean, the first look that I got <laughs> from him, it was it was almost this look of what what did you do? It was warm where I was at. It's cold and bright here. How dare you? You know, you forced this out. You know, change on me. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of who he is. That mm. first moment told us a lot. He's very intense, very driven, wonderful to be around. Very, you know, have great in depth conversations with him at seventeen. Very mature, and he always has been. But you know, it has challenges along the way. You know, sometimes life doesn't. It throws you curves balls, and you have to change. And you know, when you're a toddler, is having a hard time with the changing. It's you know, it's. It's appealing to pick them up and take, rush them out the door, mm-hmm. even though they're protesting. But, you know, working with his concerns about, I need to know what's going to happen. I need not just now, but five steps from now. Mm-hmm. That was how we would plan our day. There was a lot of scheduling. There was a lot of, you know, so he could manage his expectations and know what the day was going to bring him. Um, our second son came into the world a bit differently. We were going through, um, my husband had some health challenges. And we weren't sure if we were going to be able, if we were just going to be a family of three um, going forward. Um, But in our last um, available window of trying to become pregnant, it it was successful. And that's where my second son, how he came into being. So Mm -hmm. he was was kind of a light and what was in a lot of ways right then, kind of a dark time in our life. His preschool teacher described my little three-year-old as an old soul. Well, Very kind, you know, and things roll off of his back really fast. Like as a three-year-old, you know, the play groups started getting clicky or whatever. It never bothered him. It just rolled right off his back when hmm. the girls wouldn't, you know, said that, no, you can't play with us or what he had to find another group. It was just who he was. Um, he's been wonderful to watch up, watch as he's been growing up as well. Um, just very different take on life, though. Mm-hmm. He rolls with the moment. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I don't no know scheduling necessarily, right? Order, right? Mm, <laughs> that's so interesting. So interesting. 
So he's not easily rattled, basically, by, by things. He kind of goes right. with the flow. Right. Hmm. And as, as certain challenges in these last couple of years have come up, um, he's he's taken a lot in stride. He, he talks about things easier, though, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, one thing that oh, I think sometimes our society does a poor job of is uh, telling men that it's okay to talk about feelings and emotions and open that up and and um, definitely with my second one opening up was easier having conversations mm-hmm. not being guarded against emotions and and part of that just is, is that nature part right yeah so yeah. They, they're both exceedingly wonderful mm-hmm. brilliant in their own ways you know children that um, I've enjoyed being the mom of that's great that's great I mean my boys are very emotional <laughs> both, of them. <laughs> both of them are very emotional I love the fact that we are able to just have conversations you know mm-hmm. people tend to say oh as they go older they don't talk to you anymore and hmm, you know maybe maybe so I think it depends as well on how much you nurture that communication um, as they grow up I think mm-hmm. that's very important and I think also just allowing them to voice how they feel and know that you are a safe ear Right, a safe place for them to be able to share without judgment. Mm. Um, because I know there've been times in my life where I did the mum thing, and I, I the response I got back was, "Well, mum, if you're gonna keep talking like that, then I'm not gonna share with you." So I had to very quickly change mm-hmm. and realize that I needed them to talk to me, otherwise I'd be on the losing end, and they would be on the losing end as well. So allowing them to come and to share whatever it is that they had to share was important. But then maybe asking relevant questions to get a little bit of understanding as to what they're thinking and why they're making these particular decisions. And sometimes just letting go Mm -hmm. and allowing them to make those decisions. And I'm sure you've had to deal with things like that as well. Yeah, I think it's it's an important but hard lesson to learn that sometimes the most important aspect of creating the opportunity for conversation is just shutting up Mm. right just just letting the moment happen not having to guide it not having to manage it um and that's difficult for me sometimes right because we're strong women uh, well and and you and you're used to (laughs) you know with the four or five year old you're guiding directing you have to remind you eight times for something um but but things change with age and their maturity level has definitely um, benefited from that. I mm-hmm. can see that being able to witness their thought process, even mm-hmm. as it's happening and unfolding in front of you, is special. And I think that's what gets me excited and a lot of hope for their future is, is seeing that take place. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes me more confident um, to let go a little bit further, let the reins go a little bit further and let them, you know, let them try something, whether it works out or not, it's going to be okay. And I, th- I know that's been a buzzword recently is more resiliency, right? Yeah, resilience. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a hard thing to watch sometimes when you when you want to steer them to a different <laughs> path, <laughs> but they're certain this is the one that they want. And you're okay. You got to let go and let it happen, and, and know yeah. that at the end of the day, I think we've had a lot of conversations in our house with our older um, son as he's preparing for SATs and AC, um, 
ACTs he wants to take as well and um, AP courses, just talking through, okay, so what happens? You, you think you're going to get this high score? What, what happened? What really changes if, it, if you don't? Mm. And, and, and working through that and, and, and knowing that if, he, if something doesn't work out as planned, that there's always a plan B. And in our house, we always talk about going to plan C's and D's even, just so that you know that, you know, that there is, there's life after, you know, it, something doesn't work out perfectly. You pick yourself back up and you go either again at it or change tactics or whatever it is, right? It's good. And it's sometimes it's hard, though, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially a very type A personality. Right. Doesn't want to hear about plan B because it's always going to be, you know force into plan A and and, and keep driving at it, you know? Mm -hmm. So. That's good. Family, if you are just joining us, this is the Candid Life podcast where we turn our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact. And I am your host, Lydia Gargo. And today I'm joined with Marie, a sweet friend and sister. And our theme today is Boys to Men. Let's carry on with our discussion. And I just wanted to ask you, how do you connect with your boys? Um, you know, it's funny. I, I think the older that they get, the more I'm recognizing that um, it's hard to plan it. It's being open to the opportunities that present themselves. And I'll be very honest, um, right now for my 13-year-old and always for my older boy as he was uh, growing up, um, car rides, and it sounds, you know, it, I, there's something about being in a car and, and they don't, fine. you can have that conversation. <laughs> And if they're not looking at you in the eye, it's okay because there's other things to look at out the window, but they open up a lot more, right? And there was a good chunk of our life where we were um, driving back and forth um, between Cincinnati and the Detroit area. So it's a four-hour drive one way. And yes, there's there were some there were a lot of iPhone moments, right? There's this game playing going on. But some of the best conversations happened on those very boring flat drives back and forth through farmland country, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the, almost like a free association conversation would happen. And and as my older son at 17, he's been driving himself more places. I have to be a little bit more deliberate with with finding our times. And, and um, we've kind of gone back to, you know, when they were younger, we would do outings or just you know one-on-one meals and so in the in the warmer months walking is a great form for my older son because it's also it's a, it's a time that he feels like he can talk and it but he's not trapped by a room or you know like right. having to yeah. stare eyeball to eyeball to get through mm-hmm. something that might be tough for him mm-hmm. to say and so it works out well gonna have to you know be a little bit more deliberate in the winters and finding those things right that's true can't yeah. just Take a t- even 10, 15 minute walk. You, I could get a lot out of it. Right now, it's more of a run from the car to the house, and that's about all I've been out when it's 15 degrees. Oh my goodness. Yeah, the weather. <laughs> weather plays a very big role in relationships, right? I was wondering, of course, we have a 13 year old, we have a 17 year old, boys going to men. What are some of your passions? Mm. 
We have um, a budding coder in our home. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so the 17-year-old has really taken to writing within Python, and mm. um, he, I, I don't quite understand all the conversations that are happening around me sometimes when we get into these code issues, but he's, I don't even know if I'm saying it right, quantum mechanics he wants to get into. Um, So he'll be taking a tour shortly um, of different colleges and and different, uh, I think some interdisciplinary degrees that he's looking at. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's brought a few concerns, you know, right, the, looking at college, looking at him not being home where he always has been. We've had some good conversations about, you know, decision-making and expectations that are on him and and um, even navigating through, you know, being in, introduced into a whole new environment and, and engaging with people instead of engaging with the computer all the time. Because mm. um, so, I think that's important. And um, we, we moved when he was probably 13, and, and he had um, a slew of close friends, right, that he had known since he was three, four years old, and they were all very neighborhood-based friends where they could just walk to each other's houses. They didn't rely on parents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We knew each other because we lived three doors down, but we weren't necessarily arranging playdates or anything. They were more independent at a very young age. And um, when we moved here, things were very different. Things tended to be a bit more um, parent-led, getting the activities together. And he struggled with that for a little bit, right? And then he found his group. He found his friends. Mm -hmm. Um, But, of course, his friends, like I mentioned, they're all very computer-centric. And I can hear in their discussions when, you know, they're trying to plan an activity to go out to a movie or to go out to lunch. It's like a two-day discussion before something ever happens. <laughs> and that, and Two whole days. <laughs> nothing is very spontaneous or abrupt. It's, it's very planned out and deliberate and everything. Um. <laughs> I mean, in the light of what you said earlier, he's yep. been a planner right from the beginning, right? He has so, been. And yeah. you see it. You know, I see it in his schoolwork. I see it in mm-hmm. the way he approaches everything life in general yeah yeah um but you know when you're thrown into a whole new environment and you're standing on your own two feet and you're you're responsible for getting yourself to class and you're responsible for you know remembering to eat and getting out and seeing the sun once in a while too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um we've started to have those conversations you know how to connect with people and and, and not that he can't connect with people, but it's. I think it could. There's a chance of it being overwhelming, at first when everything is new all at once. And so I'm excited sense. for it for him. Yeah, yeah, for but sure. For deliberate yeah. and uh, and mm-hmm. and step by step is how he's going to approach it. Um, my my younger son is his strong passion right now is is baseball, so we're running with that three days a week. But we've been very. Um, very intentional with our decisions with coaching and and um, I view sports a little differently than some of you know the suburban teams around here a lot of the travel teams I, I feel like when I when we're on a team that coach is a, another representative that I'm putting in front of them of, of a male model right another another way to be as you're growing up. Mm-hmm. And we've been on some teams where I didn't feel like the model that was in front of him with that coach was a positive one. 
And that gives me pause immediately mm-hmm. on the team, right? And, and, and even organization-wise. Um, it doesn't have to be a coach. It can be the management of the teams, you know, the overall art organizational structure. Um, so we've been, we've had great conversations about that. And when he does one-on-one coaching, we've been very intentional about like the, the lessons that they teach, not just that it's important to win, 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 bigger, faster, stronger. Um, the coach that he's working with right now is doing an excellent job about talking to him about, you know, anxieties in mm-hmm. games mm-hmm. and just even, you know, how the little things that he's teaching right now, balance and focus and paying attention to the little things, the details that add up t- to be big things mm-hmm. as a player yes. um, and translating those into life lessons. Right. And I think those are the gentle lessons that I feel like sometimes get lost in sports, especially with the always win mentality, right? Or, and it's never, it's never been my goal for him to be playing baseball simply to get on to, you know, some scouts list somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's my intention of playing baseball so that he learns how to compete and not lose his humanity in the process. And I think that if, we, if that's something we can give our kids from sports, that's the most important. And and watching adults in the sports world, sometimes that lesson gets forgotten. So that's how we've been approaching with him. And he's been, he's been it's, it's great to hear him tell me the differences that he notices between coaching styles too from other teams. Like when there's a coach that's screaming at kids and they're sad on the bench, my kid on the other side of the, of the field is noticing this. And he's understanding why, you know, maybe we've been slow to get on teams, but very deliberate so that we have a perfect, uh, not perfect, but a great experience. You know? I always wonder about, you know, if you hit the ball and that was the you know, the most important ball that was needed to win the game and you didn't make it, what happens? Mm-hmm. You know, how do your team, you know, how do your teammates treat you at the end of it? How does the coach feel? Do you go away, you know, devastated and feeling like you failed the whole team? I mean, how yeah. do you recover from things like that? Because it's a lot of pressure. Right. And, and that was something, that, you know, you're not going to win every game. Not every hit you um, have is going to be a home run. It's not mm-hmm. going to be, you know, clinching everything. Um, and I think we have had coaches, and I'm very, I won't say we're, we're lucky. We've chosen coaches throughout the years um, that have been really good at talking to teams, especially after losses, and the resiliency came into it. And we've had been on teams where the first five games of the year went horribly but the true test of them came did they bounce back from and most times they did and they improved as the season went on and 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 came together as a team and 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 there's there's some there's some magic quality that i can't even i don't know if anybody can coin a term but you just see a team melding where they where they start out as a group of individuals and they become a team and they're supporting one another and um He's had several teams that were like that, and he knows what that looks like and what that feels like. And when we were competing on a travel team, when we were in the middle of a tournament, and he had the opportunity to see other teams that didn't have that experience, and he was, for example, playing third base, and he was standing next to a third base coach that was belittling his runners Mm -hmm. in front of my 
defense. I could see him almost getting defensive of the other team's players to the coach, like kind of like he didn't say anything, but I could see his back bristle, or I could see the side side glances as the coach was saying some very inappropriate things to his players, right? And and the empathy that was there for that situation. Um, and that's something that you decide early in life that he's just seen a negative role model. And, and I hope that the lesson that he carried from that is, yes, I felt bad for that kid, but that is not who I ever want to be. And, and I feel the other side. It wasn't directed at me, but I can feel what that's like when somebody speaks to you like that. And he took that to heart and he talked to me about it later. And as, as much as I guess that's a negative experience, it was something he grew from too. So what would you say, you know, I mean, your boys are growing, but what, what are some of those memorable moments that you, I mean, there are many, I'm sure there's so many, but which one really stands out for you for each of the boys? Oh, yeah, there's several. Um, actually, one, my older boy, um, recently, with all the COVID that's been going on, recently the mask mandate within the schools had been lifted in our particular district. And I think it was the day after, or two days after, it had been removed. And I know the boys weren't wearing masks to school. They didn't have to, whatever. But my older boy when I was driving him to school two days in, kind of freaked out a little bit because he had thought he forgot his mask at home. And I said, well, you don't need it. It's okay. And he said, well, Mom, but my, my um, I think it was his chemistry teacher. She's pregnant. She's, she's late term. And I just want to protect her. I just feel like I don't want anything to go wrong for her with this. And this is such a little thing that I can do. And all I had in the car at that moment was I have my own package of masks that are pink because nobody touches them normally in my house um and that's all that he had to put from he said that's okay that'll be perfect and my younger son piped up from the background yeah pink is the manliest color there is mom don't you know that if you're not secure then you're not gonna wear it i love that so it was it was a good moment where you know first my older son was thinking of someone Mm. else and and it wasn't something he needed to do. It was something he wanted to do. And, and I, had, I was so proud of him in that moment. And I told him, that that's really kind of you. I'm really impressed that you're thinking along those lines right now. And, and my younger son, where he, he could have maybe, you know, given him a hard, my oldest son a hard time. Or, you know, he was supportive in the moment as well. And um, I'm not saying that's, that's, you know, not 24-7 around my house or anything. But it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, something's... Something's going Something right. Something really good here. <laughs> Something really That's good true. here. I think that just that level of compassion mm-hmm. and just thinking about somebody else is yeah, it's priceless. And that's what you want to see in a man, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. the boys are definitely cultivating that element. Just think of how my actions are going to affect somebody else. I think that's a beautiful example there. Right. And it was one of those everyday moments, right? It wasn't yeah. a grand gesture or something. It was so important. It was simple. And simple but very powerful right. and important. Mm, that's yeah. good. I'm going to remember that. Yeah. Pink is the most manly color. Yeah. And, 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 and those two compete, right? You know, in every way, shape, and form. They're always uh, trying to, you know, push each other a little bit further, a little bit farther. Um 
but I guess when, when they're making good decisions, both of them can recognize that in each other it's as well. Decision. Maybe that pushes them further further in that direction too. That's a great one. Do you have any kind of jealousy with the boys or you know, you found a way of just helping them to love and respect each other, knowing that, you know, mom and dad love you both? I guess it depends on what day of the week you're asking me the question, right? Because <laughs> okay. there's a vacillation between, right? There are good days and there are bad days. And um, I, I, they are they are close as brothers. Um, but they're, they're, I alluded to there was this competition between them, right? You know, um, going to the gym is one way that sometimes it's helpful to have a little bit of competition pushing you from behind. Mm-hmm. Um but sometimes it can be too much, right? right. Oh, is that all you can do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can only do one push-up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. So there's, I mean, and it's a balance, right? And I think everyone that has children can appreciate that there are good days and there are bad days. Um, but at the end of it all, I think the more quiet time that they can have together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they actually talk about things on their own, I don't think I witness a lot of the the moments that gel the relationship because they happen better when I'm not around. And then, and I'm not saying that in front of us they're they're competing for attention, but I think it just puts a different spin on their conversation and their tone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, if there, I don't think there's a perfect way to do it. It's just gonna as they grow older and and find their own ways and their own personalities. I think it'll. Hopefully, you know, the competition will be positive between them. Yeah. And, and I guess maybe maybe it stems from being, you know, in the days when we're trying to get out the door early in the morning and we and we did the, who could get their shoes on first? Oh, you know what? <laughs> maybe we fostered too much of that. I don't know. And it's carrying on. It's carrying on. That simple game just carried on over the years. This is something that my mom has always hammered in us. Find different ways of getting on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just laying aside your differences, right? And looking for the most common and more beneficial goal because that's the most important thing. Your family. Right. Find ways of just staying connected. joining us this is the candid life podcast and i am your host lydia gargo and today i'm joined with marie and we are discussing boys to men and we're going to close out in a few moments and i'd like to ask marie two more questions the first one being how are you preparing your boys to become great men Mm -hmm. well i think we we don't prepare them, they prepare themselves. We can only guide them. And I feel like my role, a lot of my role, was to put those different models in front of them. And I have been truly blessed. Um, we haven't talked about my husband a lot through this, but um, he grew up and has a group of friends that he's known since he was about four or five years old. Um, and some of those people are, are near and dear to us. And they spend time with our sons separately from us, right? And and they all have very different personalities. Very, you know, one's a musician, one's an artist, one's very technically oriented, electronics. But they all are different role models of great men 
in different ways. And, and I think that was important to me to show them early on is that they, they had so many paths and so many choices in front of them. And there's really not a wrong way to do it, right? It's just the core values that you bring forth with you. Um, and so I, I, I strongly believe that what you put in and exemplify in front of them, not just in one way, but in five or ten different ways, helps them pick and choose who they want to be. Mm-hmm. So that's, I hope, I'm hoping that that's preparing them. And, and the other benefit of it is, is that there may be coming a day that they just don't want to talk with us immediately about something. And we've given them these resources that if they are in a situation that they're trying to work through and they're not quite ready to come to us with it, which happens, right? They have other outlets that um, I'm trusting that they're they're building and growing as they've you know since the time they were babies to the time now seventeen years later um, that they can count on. Um, you know you have boys, and so are there certain topics that you leave to dad to take care of, or you know I mean how do you address that? There are certain topics that he connects better with them on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've, I've had, we've had conversations about sex. We've had conversations about, um, permissions in, in, in interactions, um, you know, that are, are more intimate. Um, and I think that though the, that you're maybe getting into one of those areas where like me shutting up isn't helpful. You know, when, when we are trying to cultivate conversations, there are times to shut up and there are times to speak up. And this was a topic that I felt like I had to speak up or it just was never going to happen. You know, and so they didn't really talk too much to me as we've been, you know, I've sprinkled them into different conversations, but they have with dad or they have with other individuals in our group. You know, these role models that I've mentioned. Mm-hmm. So th- that's helpful. Right, try to open the door for the conversation, so that they know that they can be comfortable coming to me and talking to me about things. Mm-hmm. someday I'm hoping that will happen, but in the meantime, there's other outlets for them. Back in the day, it was a taboo to talk about a lot of these mm-hmm. things, but I think we are at a place now that it's critical for us to talk about them, and so we have to find different ways of bringing the, you know, the topic to the table and discussing them. And I love the fact that you said that there are all these different men who they've been introduced to in terms mm-hmm. of relationships who they can, if they don't want to talk about it with you guys, they can maybe have a little chit-chat with somebody else. But yeah. you guys are the safe place. You're the landing place for them to be able to come home and just say, okay, Mom, this is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just share about some of those intimate things. They're growing. And so they're going to experience a lot of different things, mm-hmm. you know, as they grow on. So that's great. Yeah. It's one thing that, you know, when they were younger, the biology of things was very straightforward and easy to get through. Um, that's, that's not the hard part, though. Right? That's not the challenging part and the most important part, I feel. So as they're getting to this stage of life, having those conversations are, um, sometimes I feel like weaving it into other conversations happens better than just, you know, coming in with this direct, this is what we're going to talk about, my son, you know, <laughs> for the next 15 minutes, you know. It's like my five-year-old asking me on the way to Walmart, uh, Mom, um, how are babies? created. I'm like, what? 
we're on the way to Walmart. <laughs> What's the connection, you know? And so I'm trying to describe this thing to him as a science teacher, really going tactical. And he decides to describe the, the sperm as an electric wire. I was like, what? How did you get, to, you know, it's just the weirdest thing. We always talk about tadpoles, you know, it's like, no, okay. no, electric wire. Electric wire. <laughs> yeah, it was a quiet drive to Walmart. And <laughs> I wrapped back around to like, starting really those conversations like, really, in car rides. Really? Five-year-old <laughs> asking me about that? No, no, that was different. But anyway, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Um, the question I ask all my guests on the show is, to you, what does it mean to have a candid life? You, you, you know, you, you're bringing up these lovely boys... Thank you. And nurturing them to become good men, right? So for you as a mother doing this great job, what does it mean to have a candid life or to live the candid life? Oh, to live the candid life to me is is being able to be present and accepting in the moment that I do not have all the answers and I may not be doing the right things in the moment. Right, it's 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 the 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 act of trying and and getting up over and over again with kids, and there's not a score, but you 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 know that some days you're hitting it, and some days it's just a complete miss. Um, and you know, going through I touched lightly going through an engineering program. I think early on, I felt like I always had to have the answer. If you're going to be a parent, I always had to have the answer to whatever question and. And letting go of that notion and being candid and saying, look, I don't know, you don't know right now, let's find out together. Or, and just being able to say that in my life, I, those simple words, I don't know. Um, and then actively looking for an answer or, or, or a way to deal with a situation if there is no answer. Um, is, to me, that's, I think, peeling back that layer of... Um, fake hubris is the most important part of being candid and being real. And kids can sense that too. Marie, thank you so much for coming on The Candid Life. Your insight and your words of encouragement have truly been inspirational. Family, thank you for tuning in to The Candid Life and all my listeners from all over the world. You make this show possible. So please connect with me at thecandidlife at gmail.com. That's thecandidlife at gmail.com. Also follow me on Instagram at Lydia Gago. Listen and share and follow this podcast on the common platforms, including AfriPods. And in the meantime, continue to live that life because you matter, your story matters. So live the candid life 24-7. God bless you. Inaindeshwa na Afripods. <laughs>